to see what we've been trying to pitch them with and, and teach them over the last 10 months work and to see the joy on those kids' faces because they've had a lot of bad Saturdays. It was just a little overwhelming for me. I never like to cry in public. I'm a, I'm a crier anyway. I, I cry at the national anthem when we start the game. I cry at everything. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was UNC's Mac Brown, one of our many guests this week where we had a lot of fun. College football is front and center week two. NFL football is front and center as we are halfway to Margaritaville with our statewide audience. And we have lines open for the first time in 60 minutes. Remember, Free For All Friday allows you to steer the ship. A question, a comment, a complaint, maybe something during the week where our lines were jammed. We created Free For All Friday to allow for fewer busy signals and more of your participation on our statewide platform. Chris Myers of Fox Sports is on the TV call for the Rams at the Panthers. I promised one thing on that game. As we come to your calls, intern Will is taking those at 1-800-849-2761. He is a rising star of the intern world, representing William Peace University. Be nice to Will when you dial us up. Questions, comments, complaints, predictions, or requests for those things from me, one 800 849 2761. What will you be watching most closely and importantly about the Carolina Panthers as they try to get off on the right foot in their pursuit to get back into the playoffs? David Tepper knows that Ron Rivera and Cam Newton as a pairing head coach and quarterback have been to the postseason four times. David Tepper knows that they went all the way to the Super Bowl in Cam Newton's MVP year. But, can't, but David Tepper knows that the only year he was the owner after Jerry Richardson stepped aside, they didn't make the playoffs. And Cam did get hurt. And the offense came undone. And they did not look good in the second half of last season. David Tepper is watching Ron Rivera. When he has Sean McVay, 33 years old, coming to town, do you know what any owner would see? I know that I have a reliable, quality head coach in Ron Rivera who does all the right things in the community, who is an A-plus representative of our brand and franchise, who is wonderful with the media, who has the respect of his players and that locker room at all times as a former player in the NFL and as a very successful defensive coordinator before he got the top job. But is the honest answer to the question that my guy, if I'm David Tepper, is the honest answer, do I have one of the greatest difference makers among head coaches in the NFL? No, not yet. We know Bill Belichick is the ultimate one for the New England Patriots. And through two years, even at the age of 33, Sean McVay is a difference maker. Again, better winning percentage in the regular season. He's only been there two years, so that number is likely to come down a little. But winning 75% of your games as a guy at 33 years old, that's about as good as it gets, okay? McVay, so far, difference maker. Belichick, handful of others. Difference maker. Ron Rivera, I would argue, well above average. But Ron Rivera is being evaluated by his owner. Just as the franchise quarterback, Cam Newton, is being evaluated, not as much for how good is he when he's rolling. We saw that in 2015. He's the MVP when he's that good. But how is his shoulder after another surgery? How is his health overall after the preseason foot injury? Because Cam, given how much he puts his body at risk, can either be the dual-threat quarterback that can get you the tough yards in part because he has that big body and lead you to great regular seasons and even playoff victories. We don't have to imagine that nine years in. We saw it with our own eyes. We've seen what Ron Rivera can do. They've made the playoffs four times in eight years. But if you're the new guy, David Tepper, 
You're watching your head coach that some describe as on the hot seat. You're watching your quarterback mostly for health reasons. And you do not want to go 0 for 2 as an owner when you came from the Pittsburgh Steelers organization as a minority owner there. And two of the things the Steelers have done best, whether David Tepper was part of their ownership group or even going farther back, they don't panic when it comes to their head coaches. The Steelers, the Steelers hold head coaches forever. They've had like three in the last 50 years or some, something insane like that. Three. Some franchises go through three in five years. The Steelers go through three in five decades. So he's not going to panic. But he's also an incredibly successful $13 billion hedge fund owner who probably had to make some quicker, more difficult decisions in that walk of life as well. He is not going to watch the Saints as a preseason favorite cash in again under Sean Payton and Drew Brees, or maybe the Falcons, two playoff trips out of four under Dan Quinn, maybe they're back in the postseason. As Tampa now has Bruce Arians, David Tepper does not want to see the Panthers continue a slide after a 7-9. and nine. Doesn't mean all hands are off deck if you lose to the Rams. The Rams are one of the preseason favorites in Vegas. But the Rams have a defensive player of the year guy in Aaron Donald, who's going to be tough for this new offensive line to deal with. The Rams have a, when healthy, best in the business running back in Todd Gurley from the great state of North Carolina. Mysterious physical issues led to a limited role and at times just being on the sidelines for the Rams late last year. Sean McVay says he's ready to go. No limitations. We'll see if that's true. If it is true, you got to deal with a talented young quarterback in Jared Goff, one of the best running backs in the league in Todd Gurley, one of the best defensive players at any position in Aaron Donald. That is a tough opener. Look at the rest of the Panthers' September schedule, and if you're as confident in the Panthers as I am, you can picture a 3-1 three, three and one record. The Rams game would be, to me, the closest thing to a coin flip. I think the Panthers are better than the other three teams on their schedule this month. I think that the Rams are the better team, but the game is in Charlotte. Under, a slight underdog at home is essentially a coin flip game. It's not like the Panthers have anybody to be afraid of. Their front seven is really good, and they're healthy right now, assuming that Cam's green light is truly a full, close to 100% green light. They're healthy. Greg Olson doesn't have foot problems right now. Christian McCaffrey is young and vibrant and ready to go at running back. We'll see what they get at wideout. We'll see how the reconfigured secondary looks. Those are among the things that I'll be watching, but it starts with, is Cam really healthy, right? His arm, his shoulder, rather, and his foot. Is he really healthy, or is he out there because he thinks 80% of Cam Newton is good enough to get it done? That would not be wise. The second thing I'd be watching is how do the lines look? I think the Panthers can be dominant in the trenches with Gerald McCoy on board next to K.K. Short in front of Luke Keekley. That's a heck of a front seven, or I guess the way they're doing it now, the 3-4. Three, three linemen, four linebackers sometimes. Brian Burns, the rookie, looks like a promising pass rusher. How do the fronts look? There are new guys on the offensive line blocking for Cam and Christian McCaffrey. There are some new faces in that front seven on defense. The Rams provide the ultimate litmus test for both of those lines because of Todd Gurley running at you and because of Aaron Donald trying to stop you and disrupt that offensive line. What will you be watching most as the Panthers host the Rams? That is one of the better matchups of the NFL weekend that awaits us. 1-800-849-2761. David is in Catawba, North Carolina. We love calls from Catawba. You are next on Free For All Friday. Go ahead with your question, comment, or complaint. 
Yeah, how you doing? I'm Thanks doing great. My call. Sure, man. Yeah, I got. Uh, couldn't agree with you more on Carolina just real quick. I'm 100% with you, but I'm going a little off-rail there. Yeah. Um, talking about Antonio Brown, I turn on going into work this morning, and I hear, you know, the possible suspension and this and that. And the two media outlets that I was watching were almost blaming the Raiders, you know, the whole, you know what you got, this, that, and the other. And to a certain extent, I can totally agree, but it's almost like certain media outlets are – it's just another way of excusing this guy. If you give him a guy, uh, let's say your child, a second chance, right? And this is his second chance as far as team is concerned. Uh, and you tell your child, okay, I'm going to disregard what happened in the past. We'll keep that in my mind. But you're telling me you're going to behave yourself, this, that, and the third, and they continue to do what they were doing. That's not your fault. That's the child for not being able to discern right from wrong at that point. This is not 100% at all on the Raiders. This is a man that's immature, been told was immature, and continues to follow that path of I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what. And it's just sick, really, in my mind, just to watch how he's going to put up with it because he can jump a little higher and play a little ball. A.B., by the way, uh, is 31 years old, right? I I don't know if I exactly agree with David, but I think I mostly agree with David. Thank you for listening and for contributing. We'll get to more calls here in a second, 1-800-849-2761. I'll give you a quick update on what happened with A.B. in front of his teammates earlier today, an update to the morning update, if you will. But Antonio Brown is 31 years old. I think it's accurate, and it sounded like David even agreed with this. It is accurate to say that the Raiders had a great idea what they were getting. But as a parent and as a youth coach, here's one of my favorite things to do. When a, when, often my own children, I'd be a little more delicate with other people's children because, you know, I am the coach, but I'm not their mom or dad. But the theme would be the same. I was just harder on my own kids than anybody else. If you complained about how the ref cost you the game, my rule was, You need to give me three examples of things that you could have done better before I will listen to how the ref was the worst in the history of the world and caused you to lose. Now, remember, I was watching the game, so I know if the ref made an egregiously bad call or not. And if he or she did, we got to digest that, right? That's part of life. That's part of sports. You weren't perfect, so we should not expect the referees or the umpires to be perfect. We hope they minimize their major mistakes. If you lose a soccer match 1-0 on a PK that was a bad call, it's going to hurt. That's going to bring out the the blood a little bit more, right? But the rule was, tell me three things you could have done better. Why? Because that's how life freaking works. Because if you run around blaming other, oh, it was my coach's fault this time, and oh, that teacher's fault that other time. Dad, I only got a bad grade because I couldn't hear her. All right, well, either sit up front so you can, or politely say, can I go to the doctor to have my hearing checked, or can you speak more loudly because a bunch of us in the back? And don't say it, you know, the last month of the semester. It'd be a good idea to say that at the beginning before you start caving in academically. Same thing with, you know, if so-and-so my teammate had played harder, Dad, we would have won. Or, you know, my son was a goalie, so there would be breakdowns. There were goals that were not his fault, and I was there to see it when it was his fault, and I was there to see when it wasn't. And I would say to him, hey, tell me three things you could have done better before you start telling me what your teammate did not do. And, And it allows them to vent a little bit. And I'll give them my opinion as to whether I think they were right about the referee's bad call or their teammate not trying very hard. I'll disagree disagree with them if I see otherwise. But it forces them to look inward first. 
And I think David's best point is the Raiders have to look inward first. Yes, Antonio Brown is a prima donna. There's a chance, as I said earlier, and again, it's no laughing matter. I'm not making fun of anybody. At best, he's an erratic personality. At worst, he has mental health issues. And you should never make fun of a person, whether they admit it or not, who has mental health issues. You hope for, the, for them to get help or, or medication or whatever it is they need. Antonio is that erratic over a long enough period of time that he is either just a prima donna or the erratic personality or he has those issues that need to be addressed by a medical professional. I don't know that answer, but I do know the Raiders had a great idea because Antonio Brown's body of work was no secret. You knew you were getting one of the most productive wide receivers in the NFL, and you knew you were getting one of the most complicated personalities in the NFL. But it always starts with personal responsibility. I mean, this is when, Darren, you like getting the, you like getting the feedback from both ends of the political spectrum on me. Uh, DG's mad about this, mad about that. I can't believe he agrees. Favorite with, part of my I job. Can't agree, I can't believe he agrees <laughs> with them. I can't believe he took shots at the other side. I'm a personal responsibility person, right? That sounds like something you hear from one end of the political spectrum, right? So I hear it from the other end when I talk about this. There is no form of government ever created that will succeed unless the people under that government take personal responsibility. There is no approach to the school system that ever will work unless parents and children take personal responsibility under that system. There is no criminal justice system that ever will work unless human beings, one by one, choose to take personal responsibility as parents, as children, as mentors, as coaches. Nothing ever works, ever, no matter how creative you are, as the master of the universe, if you will. Nothing works unless people take personal responsibility. That starts from childhood, and yes, it applies to 31-year-old Antonio Brown. And Antonio has had repeated problems with personal responsibility. If you're the Raiders, you live in a world where you must sign incredibly imperfect human beings on a regular basis. You know my philosophy here. If you think that automatically a famous actor or actress is a great person with pearls of wisdom on life lessons, you're out of your mind. If you really believe because they're famous, they're smart, you're not very smart. Same with athletes. When they are wonderful contributors to society, let's celebrate it. I see plenty of them. There are lots of coaches and athletes that I think more of us should listen to more often on all sorts of life lessons. But the idea that because you're famous, you have pearls of wisdom to drop left and right, that's insane. You became famous for being an actor, but we're going to assume that you're, you know, the Dalai Lama? No, I don't think so. And in the NFL as a general manager, you are handed the opportunity to sign elite athletes. You are not handed a sheet worth of 90 great human beings. So you got to start dissecting things. How good are they versus how many headaches they're likely to bring me? And that's the reality. If you were a run-of-the-mill running back, and you were Antonio Brown's track record with the lawsuits and the five different children with three different women and the social media attacks from those women toward you about not doing this or that as a father, and you got on Big Ben's nerves all the time in Pittsburgh, and you called out the media for things that were your own fault, and you didn't handle your own body the right way when you went to France for cryotherapy, I mean, for crying out loud, at some point I would expect more from my 12-year-old much less a 31-year-old, but got to win games, right? You got to win games. You sign 53 choir boys, you will be 0-16 in a heartbeat. 
So it's a matter of blending. You find as many choir boys who are also great as football at football as you can. Luke Keekley, Panthers linebacker, comes to mind. For most, it is more complicated than that. How good are you versus how much I have to pay you, A, and how many headaches you're likely to bring me, B? Do you know who gets second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances? Productive dudes. It happens in football. It happens in life. If they're your best waiter or waitress and they're occasionally too hungover to come to work, but a chunk of your business loves seeing them there, are you really going to fire them? Or are you going to give them a benefit of the doubt that a lower producer would not get? Now, you might have your own approach to such things, and there's no single way that always works. But in the NFL, this is how it works. Vontez Perfect, erratic linebacker, is with the Raiders. Richie Incognito, erratic offensive lineman, is with the Raiders. Antonio Brown, erratic wide receiver, is with the Raiders. They have all been high producers at their positions at various times in their NFL careers. If they were as complicated as their stories are, and look them up, I mean, they're, they're three of the most complicated players in the entire NFL right now, and they've all ended up in Oakland. To a degree, the Raiders do deserve that blame for you know what you've signed up for. But it has to start with the misbehaving player. And the update with Antonio Brown is he did apologize in front of his teammates. It was according to Josina Anderson of ESPN, quote, an emotional apology at a team meeting earlier today. He had the confrontation with the GM, Mike Mayock. That was on Wednesday. He used disparaging language toward Mayock. Mayock apparently kept his cool, saw the situation escalating, of course knows that Antonio Brown is an erratic person fundamentally, and walked away, diffusing the situation, preventing it from getting any worse. So now AB's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, is apologizing for him, including last night on national TV as the Packers were beating the Bears. And now, according to this report, A.B. has apologized to the Raiders. There's a lot of big decisions to have to be made in terms of a suspension, in terms of the finances. The Raiders have tens of millions of dollars directed toward Antonio Brown in the form of various signing bonuses and upcoming contract money. But he hasn't earned that yet. So these are tens of millions of dollars worth of decisions that go beyond you know, just whether or not you can win your opener. It doesn't appear A.B. is going to play this weekend he got that letter for his fines, more than $50,000. He decided to make it public. Like, who does that? He decided to throw shade at his own organization, his employer, by making public what was a given. If you miss what he missed, you're going to get fined. So why are you going to be petulant about it? We just need better than two-year-old behavior if we're going to get, get stuff done as a country, as an NFL franchise, or anything else. I'm not, I'm not big on the two-year-old temperaments at any office or in any sport. Heck, I wasn't happy with my own two-year-old's two temperaments when they were two years old and I was their dad. 1-800-849-2761. More of your free-for-all Friday questions, comments, and complaints on the other side. I have more on Texas A&M at Clemson, LSU at Texas, Miami at UNC, and other college football matchups. More on Serena Williams, Rafael Nadal, and others at the U.S. Tennis Open. And the NFL headliners include Rams at Panthers in our backyard, Steelers at Patriots on Sunday night, 
We will have Chris Myers of Fox Sports joining us in a little bit more than 60 minutes. There is an NC State special quarterback matchup this weekend at the NFL level. And there are a couple of hot seat head coaches that have very difficult road openers this Sunday. 1-800-849-2761. You can steer us elsewhere. It can be more football. You can join the same show that had Manny Diaz, Mac Brown, David Cutcliffe, Dick Vitale, and other luminaries as guests earlier this week. How can you do it? By dialing 1-800-849-2761. We're coming back to your calls next on The David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. You have nobody to blame. You're out there. You can't blame it. Yeah. Pitcher. My shortstop made an error, man. He made an error. Oh, I'm the quarterback. The guy dropped the pass. I was wide open and he missed me. No, baby. It's just one-on-one. When you look at Serena, Rafael, or Roger Federer, or Djokovic, to be that consistent that many years and having all these young people chasing you to me is special welcome back to the david glenn show that was dickie v college basketball season is still two weeks or two months away rather he was at the u.s open for a couple days of tennis action this past week serena can make history tomorrow in the women's singles final she already has 23 grand slam singles titles rafael nadal is 33 years old serena 38 later this month Nadal is in the men's semifinals. He's seeking Grand Slam singles title number 19. Only Roger Federer has more on the men's side with 20. So history being made perhaps in tennis this weekend. And, of course, most of the conversation is about football. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. I did promise one thing. So as you call intern Will with your question, comment, complaint, or misdirection, 1-800-849-2761, why will you see dramatic, emphatic, First down calls all, First down. all over the NFL this weekend. As we enjoy Rams at Panthers, I told you what I'll be watching most closely, Cam's health, both lines, etc. You tell me what you'll be watching as Sean McVay leads a team that, remember, played in the Super Bowl last year and has among the best players in this league with Aaron Donald leading the defense and North Carolina's own Todd Gurley, apparently healthy again, leading the offense from the running back position. The all-NC State quarterback matchup I mentioned will take place to, uh, late Sunday afternoon. The new QB, as a starter at least, for the Indianapolis Colts, Jacoby Brissett, gets to go to L.A. and take on, of course, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. So that's a Wolfpack special late Sunday afternoon. Steelers at Patriots is among the best matchups of the weekend beyond the one in our backyard. That'll be the Sunday night special on NBC. Your questions, comments, and complaints steering us elsewhere in the football world or anywhere else in the sports universe are welcome now at 1-800-849-2761. There is a reason that there were sprinklings of this in the preseason, but you also saw it again last night as the Packers beat the Bears 10-3. First game of season number 100 in the history of the NFL. Why will you see those extra dramatic, extra emphatic first down calls all over the NFL on Sunday and even in that Monday night football doubleheader? Well, there was a legendary man in stripes that was famous maybe even before I was born. Certainly when I was a child becoming used to following the NFL in Philadelphia as an Eagles fan. His name was Red Cashin. 
And Red Cashin, Darren, you have to tell me what you carved out of the late, great Red Cashin interview. He died earlier this year. And NFL officials are a fraternity. They know each other well in many cases. But they also know their ancestors, if you will. And Red Cashin was not only an official, he was a referee, the guy who tells you the penalty call, the, the other details. He's the guy you usually get the most mad at. Well, Red Cashin once was fired from his job as an NFL referee, and he changed the way he approached things as a result of his firing. And we'll get to that audio in a second. He also got to the point later in his career where, let's just say, he was famous for something more than, you know, calls he got wrong that fans remembered decades later. Here was This is the late Red Cash, and again, when you hear the emphatic first down calls this weekend, it will be in his honor. The, the men in stripes of 2019 honoring the late Red Cashin, very famous during my NFL childhood. Here was Red in his own words on what led to his emphatic calls. I got fired early in my officiating career. I tried very hard to maintain a very level and even demeanor throughout the game. And the comment was that some of the coaches think you're not interested enough in what's going on. And I thought at that time I've got to do something to demonstrate some enthusiasm for what's going on. Now you know that there are officials in all the sports we follow that the first thing somebody says when they see that person is a bad thing. I'll never forgive you for missing that call in that ACC tournament game or that March Madness game where my team lost by a point or whatever. You get John Clockerty or Brian Kersey or any of our friends from the officiating world telling those stories, man. I'm telling you, I, I could have a three-hour show in the middle of the summer where I just listen to those guys' stories, and they'll crack you up in part only because at least they lived through those moments because sometimes they encounter angry people. Well, Red Cashin, I'm sure, had his share of missed calls and angry fans in the aftermath, but it got to the point that his first down call was so well-known that he would hear positive things as he toured the country in his work as well. I was in Dallas, and I was waiting on somebody to pick me up. And as a big bus comes by, and the bus goes by, and it stops, and the bus backs up, and the driver gets out and looks around and looks at me and says, first down, got back on the bus and drove off. Crazy. If you had your choice, wouldn't you rather be remembered that way? The late Red Cashin will be honored, certainly in week one, according to the NFL officials, with their first down calls and otherwise. Maybe it'll be a season-long theme. I'm not sure. But as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Do you have a little Red Cashin compilation? As we celebrate your dad, Gary Vaught's birthday today, Darren, would he know Red Cashin, do you know? Yeah, no yeah, doubt he about would. it. He would. Nate, one of his sons, Dallas, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. You had to watch some <laughs> NFL back in the day. All right, what's your red cash in compilation from back in the day? First down. First down. First down. First down. First down. First down. You know the field of dreams, if you build it, they will come? Yep. This is the DG show, free for all Friday, halfway to Margaritaville. When you hear it, you will know. Red Cashin being honored all weekend by NFL officials. When you hear it, you will know. First down! 
Where's James Earl Jones? 1-800-849-2761. Matt is in the triangle, has the NFL and college football on his mind. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you doing today, DG? Doing great. Happy free-for-all Friday to you. Happy free-for-all Friday and uh, Carolina Miami Eve. Um, all right, first, it's kind of a two-parter. First part, um, now that Zeke has basically reached into Jerry's uh, pocket and stole everything the man has, um, <laughs> where, do you see, where do you see the Cowboys going from here in terms of trying to get Dak and Amari and everybody in place, maybe not for Sunday, but in the next few weeks? And second part, with Carolina beating uh, South Carolina last week, and we got the, the second of two hurricanes this week in our lovely state coming to us, um, what do you see them doing building momentum for tomorrow night under the lights of Keenan to try to get a, another big win and uh, try to crack the top 25 come Monday? You know, I'm glad you asked me that because I kind of gave my Miami-UNC breakdown early, earlier, which my bottom line was whoever shows they can run the ball will win. And both teams have good tailbacks. Only Miami has great linebackers. So I think it's advantage Hurricanes from that point of view and either Sam Howell at quarterback – or that deep wide receiver core will have to overcome. Miami moving the ball on a bunch of new Carolina linebackers for the most part under their freshman quarterback, Jaron Williams, or the Tar Heels will have to whatever, you know, win it on special teams, win it with turnovers. I think Miami is the more talented team. But since you mentioned the fans and the environment, you know, Mac Brown on our show said, DG, I'm glad you brought up 1997 and the loudest you've ever heard Keenan Stadium. But I, in Mac Brown Part 2, am tired of hearing about 1997, right? That was 22 years ago. So he's like, I know you've been to a lot of venues and seen a lot of games and Tar Heels and Wolfpack and Devils and Deeks and everybody else. And it's great that one of the loudest buildings you've ever been in was Keenan Stadium for a game when the Heels were in the national top five and they played Bobby Bowden's Seminoles in a year where FSU finished, I think FSU finished 11-1 and and the Tar Heels finished 11-1 and with the Heels' only loss being to FSU in that game. I mean, Keenan Stadium was physically shaking 22 years ago. He said, let's turn the page. You know, like I, there's got to be new games to celebrate. And the reason it matters here beyond the usual reasons, duh, you want a home field advantage. Miami's offensive line includes a bunch of new dudes. And whereas I thought one of the most pleasant surprises of UNC's win over South Carolina from a Carolina point of view was the offensive line. Long story short, if you're paying attention, you know the Tar Heels have two really good running backs and use three. They have a potential star or two at wideout, and they use five or six, all of whom made big plays against South Carolina. They have, you know, Miles Dorn at safety is a really good player. They have Strobridge and Crawford up front who are really good veterans in the trenches. You knew that linebacker was one of the major questions that they had, and offensive line was one of the major questions that they had. Well, the offensive line with three of the five starters being brand new, Never had started a college football game. They've been in the system for a couple years. Never had started. So you got this future pro named Charlie Heck at left tackle, and you're not sure what you're getting otherwise. Well, those guys owned the trenches. So my view of Carolina didn't change because of Sam Howell throwing those touchdown passes or those running backs running on the Gamecocks. I knew they could do that. The controlling the trenches part, I did not expect. So that Carolina front 
has to control the trenches against a Miami defense that's a lot better than the South Carolina defense. The other part of that is when you have young offensive linemen, remember Miami was sacked 10 times by the Florida Gators. That is one of the worst sack numbers you will ever see in the sport of college football. Sometimes it's a QB holding the ball too long. Jaron Williams is a redshirt freshman. Sometimes it's just your offensive lineman getting beat. Well, with offensive line being the weakest link in the Miami chain, the Tar Heels have to exploit that. How do you exploit it? Well, they're, they're not the greatest pass-rushing defense. I don't see a Lawrence Taylor out there, right? So they have to at least try to beat their man, try to get to Jaron Williams. That part is obvious. But what did Miami's young offensive linemen also struggle with in a neutral site game? The snap count. Carolina messed this up a few times under Sam Howell. Remember, delay a game, false start, et cetera. It's a different voice. It's a young guy. Even when they're talented, they're more prone to make those sorts of uh, game clock mistakes, those sorts of false start voice inflection type mistakes. Well, if those offensive linemen at Miami had a bunch of false starts listening to Jaron Williams' redshirt freshman voice at a neutral site, if Carolina can make it loud at Keenan Stadium, what's the most affected? Offensive lineman trying to hear the snap count, right? You're not as loud when your own team has the ball. That's not the point. You're the most loud when the other team has the ball or it's in the red zone or whatever. You can actually make a difference. Now, I'm not expecting something as loud as I heard 22 years ago when Mac Brown and the Tar Heels played Bobby Bowden and the Seminoles. That, to me, all these years later, is the loudest I've ever heard a football stadium in this state, college, high school, or pro. The loudest, at least that I was there in person for. I don't expect that. But redshirt freshman quarterbacks don't tend to like 50,000-plus people screaming, right? And young offensive linemen who already have enough trouble with the snap count don't like that stuff either. The fans can actually contribute in ways that I don't think Mac specifically mentioned. He talked about it more broadly. What was his request to our statewide listener audience, Darren? He wants them in their seats for 730 in, right. in their seats. Eight o'clock kick. Carolina at times has a, an infamously late arriving crowd. <laughs> They're not the only ones, but they have that reputation. And parking is so weird for some that it takes a while to get over to Keenan Stadium. After... You come to see us on Franklin Street, 4.30 to 7.30, big tailgate tour. We are across from Sutton's Drugstore and Four Corners, right on the lawn in front of the Universal United Methodist Church. Maybe win four free tires from our friends at Continental Tire in the Continental Tire Toss. Maybe pick up a DG Show t-shirt or a Sport Clips haircut certificate or something else that's really cool. For the record, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes Storm Squad, which best I know has not even been announced yet. For the upcoming season, Darren, you're my correspondent on all things Storm Squad. I cover the Canes. Uh, I work with the Storm Squad, but you are my unpaid official correspondent on the Storm Squad. When I say that Gina and Keeley will be joining us at the Big Tailgate Tour stop on Saturday night, 4.30 to 7.30. Again, the game is at 8 o'clock. What we do with our tents, games, and prizes is always a three-hour ramp up, and then we give you 30 minutes to walk over to the game. When I say Gina and Keeley will be the specific Storm Squad representatives on this stop of our statewide Big Tailgate Tour, am I breaking news? We, we are, technically speaking. Now, they're both returnees, so it could be assumed that but, they were going to make the squad but anyway. But they've told me that it's not automatic that if you were there last year, you're automatic. It's, it's typical also that you'd true. be invited typical. back, right? 
but there's, also true that it's not automatic. There are no rubber stamps over there at PNC <laughs> Arena, man. You got to earn your way back into the Storm Squad year after year after year. You got to prove yourself in preseason camp, Darren Vaught. Otherwise, we're not saving a roster spot for you. I hope we are breaking news. I'm going to put that right up there with Louisville is going to join the ACC. <laughs> or some of, or you know, Matt Doherty's Matt Doherty's fired at Chapel Hill. I'm gonna is that now in my top 25 breaking news items. Maryland is leaving for the Big Ten. It might be top five, right? Keely and Gina are <laughs> unannounced members of the 2019-2020 Storm Squad. When you need to find the place for that kind of insider information, you know you can always count on us. Here at the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. Back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls next. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you in a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. We do have some lines open if you'd like to jump in with your question, comment, or complaint. Four days a week, you follow our lead, our great guests, our crazy rants and musings because you requested it long ago when we expanded statewide and went syndicated. And you got tired of busy signals. We created Free For All Friday that allows for fewer guests. Chris Myers of Fox Sports will be on the TV call for the Rams at the Panthers in NFL action on Sunday. We have college games worth watching all weekend long. You can be next with your question, comment, prediction, or complaint right now at 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. One of the things I love about being in this state, Darren, you're from Virginia. I'm from Pennsylvania. We've lived in other places. Being in our state, if, we, if you and I had this show in Alabama or Mississippi, we, of course, would have to be careful about the course of the hurricanes. But we would also have to worry about being allowed to talk about NFL football games. Right. right. <laughs> our audience would be overwhelmingly interested in college. There is no NFL team based in those states. And if we had bosses, if we had program directors, if we had to take, you know, from on high the lessons of the talking points of the day, and we don't have that here at the David Glenn Show. We kind of have a, a level of autonomy enjoyed by very few others in our industry. If we were in such situations in a big city like Philly or most other pro sports first towns, we would have eyes rolling at us every time we focused on college football. And in Alabama or Mississippi or Kentucky and a lot of other places, we'd have eyes rolled at us whenever we tried to direct the attention and conversation to the NFL. To me, the state of North Carolina has for a long time been one of the greatest blends of college football and pro football, or more generally, college sports and pro sports that the entire nation has to offer. I've lived in Miami. It's overwhelmingly pro unless the Canes are relevant in college football or something else crazy happens, right? I've been in Philly, grew up there. It's overwhelmingly Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, Phillies, etc. And something dramatic has to be happening in college sports. You know, Villanova has to be winning as a Philly school the national title in college basketball or at least challenging for that. They'll let you get away with college football playoff talk or March Madness basketball talk, but otherwise it better be 
mostly pro, the overwhelming majority of the time. Well, now that we're a state with the NFL and the Panthers, with the NHL and the Canes, with the NBA sort of, with the Hornets, and all these college programs that are either great in football or men's basketball or sometimes even both, we get the blend. And I bring up the blend because when I watch some of the best college football games, including this weekend, you can actually enjoy it through the eyes of an NFL fan or through the eyes of a college fan. And here's what I mean. When LSU, number six in the polls, goes to Texas, number nine in the polls, that's tomorrow night, 7.30, your ABC national game. Number one, these two just flat out don't like each other. They recruit against each other a lot. One's an SEC power. The other's a Big 12 power. LSU tried to hire Tom Herman. Remember when he was the up-and-coming hot coach at, with the Houston Cougars of the college level? LSU didn't get him. Texas did end up getting him. Now he's in his third year with the Longhorns. Won the Sugar Bowl last year. Ten wins last year. Finished number nine in the nation last year. So you got the Tom Herman angst as Ed Orgeron is the leader at FSU. They recruit against each other a lot, and some of the prospects tell stories of, like, one saying bad things about the other, so that gets things nasty. On, on top of that, LSU has a safety named Grant Delpit, first-round NFL draft pick. Texas has a six-foot-six wide receiver named Colin Johnson. Not Calvin Johnson. He's retired. Megatron. But similar dimensions, six-foot-six and productive, he's not just on the all-airport team. He can play. Watch Colin Johnson through your NFL lenses as you wait for your Sunday afternoon and Sunday night football as a pro fan. These are two of the top nine ranked teams in the country. This is a national championship picture game. LSU is favored by six, even though the Tigers are on the road. And Longhorns fans are wondering if Tom Herman is the guy. I told you that when I was born into the world – where Texas won three national titles in college football in like an eight-year period, uh, like late 60s, early 70s. So Texas was one of the be-all, end-all college football programs. In the last almost 50 years, only Mac Brown, a decade and a half ago, led Texas to a national championship. So one example, it's in like 47 or 48 years. Tom Herman is viewed by some as the guy who's already had success, especially last year, now in year three. He's viewed by some as the next guy to get them where Mac Brown took them. Of course, Ed Orgeron wants to be the next LSU coach to get there. They've been in a lot of big games. They haven't won the national title under Eddie O. The temperature in Austin, Texas during the day is expected to be about 100 degrees. Now, what will it be at 730 at night? I don't know, but they don't like each other. There's NFL talent all over the field. They both view themselves as national championship contenders. That is, along with Texas A&M at Clemson, one of the must-see TV matchups of the college football weekend. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man, are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80, <laughs> the original Death Valley, <laughs> you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. As many others play cupcakes this college football weekend, which teams near and far will we learn most about? My answer to that question as we come back to your calls. Chris Myers of Fox later on the Panthers-Rams game. You can be next on the David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. 
Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is The David Glenn Show.